Good morning. I'm Pastor Allen. We're glad that you're here. Uh, thank you, praise team, for leading us in worship. Great job. Uh, we teach in series, meaning we take a topic and talk about it for a few weeks. This series is called Stress Less, um, and we're hoping to help you stress less, and that's the goal. We started this last week. If you missed it or want to hear it again, it's, you can uh, listen on our website or actually on Facebook and you actually watch it. Uh, <clears throat> today's topic is don't just sit there. So, how do you not stress? How do you not worry? How do you not have anxiety? How do you do it? Because we looked at last week, Jesus said not to do it. Okay. <laughs> how, do you, how do you not do it? Well, we said well, you, it's important to try and find out the cause. And the way we illustrated it is that we said everybody has something at the end of their rope. Your rope of stress, your rope of anxiety, your rope of fear. Uh, and we said, encourage you for homework to pray about it because you don't always know what's at the end. You have this anxiety, you don't know what it's about, you don't know what it's, where it's coming from. Once you figure that out or God reveals that or you, you think you know what it is, the next question is, why is it there? Well, because my wife's the way she is. Well, I, <laughs> I uh, gave you my list last week. Actually, it was my wife's list about me. And so we'll go through that quickly. Uh, so she put herself at the top of the list. Uh, so biggest stressor in my life is actually my wife. Now, not all that's bad, but we are very different personality-wise. Uh, we just function differently from different backgrounds and so forth. And so we bump heads a lot just trying to communicate just basic stuff. Now, we've been married 40 years. I get a great marriage, but it's just constant. And so uh, that's a stressor I have. And it's, I know the reason because we're so, both so different. Uh, not knowing details, that really dr drives me up a wall. If somebody gives me directions, I want to know exactly how far it is from point A to point B, where I turn, what's at the corner, et cetera, et cetera. Um, being late, uh, we were about one minute late to a small group. Dennis, you probably didn't realize it, but we were about one minute late to a small group on Friday night, and it was making me anxious, uh, even though they didn't care, I'm sure. Uh, out of the normal routine, that's something that stresses me out. And I said last week we were out of a normal routine. This week's a little out of I guess there is no normal routine. I guess that's a lesson. Um, uh, we're getting pre prepared for vacation, so vacation week's different. But uh, that's something that, that causes me stress. And then unmet expectations. And we all deal with this, especially if it's somebody you pay. It's like your insurance agent, you pay them to, to deal with something, and they don't do it. Uh, that really is something that stresses me out. So... What's at the end of your, yours? I don't know. It might be financial. It might be relational. It might be health issues or health issues of people that you care about. Uh, some people are, you get up really upset about what's going on in the world and the, our country and, and all those things. So what's at the end of your rope and why it's there? And once you figure it out, there's this kind of tension that exists in all of us. And I'm going to kind of describe it a couple different ways. <clears throat> First, what is God's role? With my, dealing with my stress, what is God's role? Uh, now, if you're not a Jesus follower, if you don't even know if, sure if there is a God, we're just really happy that you're here because we think these principles work. Even if you're not a Jesus follower, just, they just work better. And uh, so what is God's role? And then consequently, the tension is, what, what is my part? What, what, what is my role in, in dealing with whatever is cause, at the end of my rope is causing my stress? And we tend to swing back and forth. Uh, 
You know, sometimes we just pray a lot and think, okay, God, you, you know, I know you got this, take care of this. And other times we say, okay, God, I know you're out there, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to handle this. And often that doesn't work too good, and then we go back to praying, don't we? So we kind of swing back and forth. Another way to describe the tension is this way. Does faith lead to apathy? You know, okay, God, I know you got this. I'm praying you're going to take care of it, and then I'm just going to sit back and, and watch. So does it lead to apathy? You know, I don't go to the doctors if I've got an ache or a pain, or don't go for counseling if I've got a relationship issue. I don't get financial counsel if I have financial issues. I just, okay, God, <laughs> I'm just trusting you to take care of this. Well, there's that side, but then there's tension is, is lack of action, or <clears throat> is action a lack of trust? Okay, I'm going to fix this. I'm going to take care of this. Uh, whatever. I'm going to work really hard at it. I'm going to take that pill the doctor gave me. I'm going to do what the therapist says. But where's the line? How much of it is faith? How much of it is action? Another way to state the tension is this way. God is in control. And if you're a Jesus follower, we truly believe that. The problem is it doesn't look like it, does it? Look at the world and say, too much bad stuff is happening. Even worse, it doesn't feel like God's in control, does it? And I bet you we got friends that are sick, serious illnesses, and so forth. It, it just, yeah, life isn't good, good sometimes. But if we look at the universe, we understand God has a plan. If the earth was any closer to the sun, we wouldn't exist. And if it's farther from the sun, we wouldn't exist. If you look at the microscopic level, it's just so complicated, DNA and so forth. There's such an amazing design. If you have an amazing design, you must have a designer and so God is in control he has a plan he has a design but you and I have a part you and I have a role and we have a choice to just say okay God you got it or we have a choice or I'm going to take care of it God it's probably most likely the best scenario is something in between right we have a choice sometimes think about Jonah God told him hey I want you to go tell your enemies how much I love them and so they'll forg be forgiven and, and get into a relationship with me. And Jonah said, no, no, my enemies, I'm not going to do that. In fact, it goes the other direction. God says, I really want you to do this. You know, most of you know the story, winds up in the belly of a fish. And you know, I, I don't know, but if he hadn't repented at that point, we probably would have never heard of Jonah. But he said, okay, God, and then God still, still used him. So God wasn't going to tell the Ninevites. He was telling Jonah to tell the Ninevites. So God's in control, but Jonah had a role, and you and I have a role. Now, you've probably heard this next statement, and you might not know where it came from. It's 1,700 years old, believe it or not. <clears throat> and this is a good way to describe this tension. Pray as though everything depends on God. Whatever your situation, whatever sits in the rope, whatever's stressing you out, pray as if, God, you've got to deal with this. I can't handle it. You've got to do it. You know, just pray. But then, when you get up off your knees, don't twiddle your thumbs, what? Work as though everything depends on you. I'm going to really work at this. I'm going to figure out some, what I can do to make the situation better and not to worry, etc. <clears throat> now, I think our tendency, if it's one way or the other, is to fall back to what I call the apathy. Yeah, God's got it. I'm not going to worry about it. Or I'm just lazy. Most of us are lazy, right? I admit it. I'm lazy. <clears throat> so why is our tendency to kind of go to apathy or go to inactivity. I think it's this reason. Basically, most of the time, it's because we're afraid. We're afraid. It's difficult. It's hard. 
you know, I don't want to deal with this relationship issue with this person. It's going to get messy. You know, I don't want to deal with my financial situation. It's going to get messy. I don't want to change my lifestyle so my health will get better. Or I don't want to front somebody else about their bad choices. And you know, the older you get, what happens, and we got a little younger crowd in this service than the first service, is we tend to get that way more. We become more afraid. We tend to risk less when we're young. And some of you are still young. Man, you, you, nothing, you, you'll try anything, right? And you get older, you, you, you know, less risk. I, I was thinking about myself. It's interesting. In, the, in my 50s, I learned to ride a motorcycle. I built our house. And um, I ran my first 50-mile race. I never ran f farther than 10 miles up until the age of 50. And then I started doing these 50-mile races. I did 13 of them in a, years in a row. Now I'm, think, I'm in my 60s, and I'm thinking, I don't know if I've tried anything new in my 60s. And, you know, financially, they tell you to get, you know, more conservative as you get older, and there's some wisdom in that. But our tendency is to be afraid. So we're going to talk about a story from the Old Testament, really an interesting story, powerful story. It's about the Israelites. <clears throat> and they were in Egypt for 400 years as slaves. So in our country, you go, it's all the way back to the pilgrims. All right, 400 years? It's all the way back to the pilgrims. So for that's how long, generation after generation, all they knew was slavery. God calls this guy named Moses. He said, hey, I want you to deliver the my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt into a, what I, give them a, a promised land. And if you ever watched the movie, The Ten Commandments, you've seen it, you know, the ten plagues, miracles, and they get out, and then eventually the Israelites change, uh, Egypt, Egyptians change their mind, and chase them, and they get drowned in the Red Sea. And they get out into the wilderness, and how long was it supposed to take them to get from Egypt to this promised land? It was to take them one year. And actually, they get there in one year, <laughs> all right? <clears throat> but then some things happen. And it takes a lot longer. They were afraid. I got to thinking about this. On your deathbed, my deathbed, if I look back at my life, what am I going to regret that I didn't try, that I didn't risk? What was I afraid of that stopped me from doing something? And what did it cost me? Because we're going to see it cost the Israelites big time. So the story is in Deuteronomy chapter 1. This is actually 39 years later. <laughs> and we're gonna, he's going to retell, the, Moses is going to retell the story <clears throat> about what happened. Just as the Lord our your God had commanded us, we left Mount Sinai and traveled through the great and terrifying wilderness, as you yourself remembered, and headed toward the hill country of the Amorites. This was 39 years, old, years later, or earlier, 40 years. So God instructed us, God commanded us, told us what to do, <clears throat> and the wilderness was terrifying. You know, we're not saying that there isn't fear. There are things to be afraid of. <clears throat> so this was terrifying. They didn't know anything else but slavery. Now they're free. They don't know how to operate under freedom. That's one reason they got the Ten Commandments, give them some instructions about how to live, etc. So then they arrived at this place called Kadesh Barnea, and I, Moses, said to you, you have now reached the whole country of the Amorites that the Lord our God is giving us. Lord means boss. So God's the boss. He has said, leave Egypt, go to this promised land, and he is giving this to us. But he goes on, look, 
<laughs> he has placed the land in front of you. So they're there, right there in front of them. He says, okay, now it's time to go in, occupy the, it as the Lord your God has pro, uh, ancestors has promised you. Now notice, here's the instructions again. Don't be afraid, don't be discouraged. Why would he say that? Because the natural tendency is to what? Be afraid and be discouraged. <clears throat> and so that's their instruction. And you know our biggest fear usually is? It's working on us. Isn't it? Looking at ourselves in the mirror. We talked about that last week. And then dealing with the issues we have. Now if you're married, your wife will point that, your husband will point that out to you, won't they? Which can be a good thing. All right? Done, done appro appropriately. So, the story goes on. But you all came to me and said, hey, Moses, we've got this good idea. Let's first take these, send these scouts in <clears throat> to explore the land, and they'll advise us the best route to take in which towns we should enter. So should we go this way or go in this way? Should we go this way? Whatever. So we send these scouts out. They'll come back and tell us which is the best way to go. But was that really why they wanted to send the scouts out? No. That wasn't why they sent out the scouts. They sent out the scouts to, to, for that, so they could decide if they wanted to go in or not. Is that what God told them to do? No, that's not what God told them to do. But Moses replies, seems like a good idea. There's nothing wrong with getting more information. And so he chose 12 people, one from each of the tribes, to go in. They headed to the hill country, came to the Valley of Eshcol, and explored it. So they explored out the land. They picked some of its fruit and brought it back to us. And they reported, the land the Lord your God has given us is indeed a good land. If you read the other accounts, the, grape, the bundle, uh, bunches of grapes were so large it took two people to carry them. But they got two reports back from these 12 guys. A majority report and a minority report. <clears throat> Ten of the guys said, yeah, well, all of them said it's a great land. Yep, it, it's, it's a great land. Ten of the guys said, but I don't think we should do it. And we'll read why in a minute here. Two of the guys said, yeah, it's a great land. There are dangers there, but we should do it. And just like them, you and I can either focus on the, the, the uh, obstacles, we can focus on the negatives, or we can focus or think about uh, the positives. So let's read what actually happened. He said, you rebelled. Again, he's retelling this story 39 years later. You rebelled against the command of the Lord your God and refused to go in. Why did they refuse to go in? They were afraid. Two of the guys said, still, we need to go in, but ten said they were afraid. And he goes on to describe what happened. He said, you complained in your tents. You ever go home and complain about something that happened here or something happened to somebody else or something at work or whatever? Really common, right? The Lord must hate us. Did the Lord God hate them? They just delivered them from Egypt, from slavery. It wasn't an act of hate. That's why he's brought us here from Egypt. To hand us over the Amorites to be slaughtered. God doesn't have our best interest at heart. If he did, why is, why is life so hard? And this will be a disaster if we do this. Even though God says he's given it to us and, he, and uh, he's promised this is what we need to do, it's going to be a disaster. That was their opinion. <clears throat> So he goes on and says, people say, where can we go? Our brothers, 12, 10 of the spies anyway, have demoralized us with their report. And here's what they told them. People in the land are taller and more powerful than we are. Was that true? Yeah. 
Uh, the towns are large and walls are high into the sky, like 30 feet high, like Jericho. Uh, is that true? Yeah, that's true. Uh, we saw giants there, descendants of Anak. Best we can tell, that was true. Like people seven foot tall. Most of the Israelites were probably about five foot tall. Okay, that's quite a, a, a disparate, uh, <coughs> disparaging, disparate, whatever that word is. Anyway, uh, quite a difference. So, <clears throat> he goes on. But I, Moses, said to you, back 39 years ago, don't be shocked or afraid of them. What was he saying? Okay, back a year ago when, a year plus, when I came into Egypt and God did these miracles and said, I want you to leave, become free and have this promised land and be my people. Did God know what was in the promised land? Did he know there were giants? Did God know there were big cities? Did he know that they were taller than you? Of course he did. And whatever you and I are afraid of, whatever is stressing us out, whatever worries is worrying us does God know what it is of course he does and he goes on he said the Lord your God is going ahead of you he will fight for you just as you saw him do in Egypt now in Egypt they didn't do much of anything did they you know the miracles just came so God had proved he was ahead of them and was fighting for them and they saw it and it's so frustrating to myself and, and for others that our faith memories are so short, aren't they? That's why we worry. And as I get older, I think, okay, God, God got me through that, and God got me through that, and God got me through that, God got through me that, through that. So the logical conclusion is, whatever I'm dealing with now, what's God going to do? God's going to get me through that. And we talked about last week, it's kind of an insult, but we have such little faith. Short memories. He goes on as, <clears throat> and you saw how the Lord your God cared for you. Back in Egypt. All along the way, he traveled through the wilderness, so this last year, just as a father cares for his child. Most of us have children. We don't send them out into the wilderness <laughs> and abandon them, do we? Now he has brought you to this place so what's this place for you what are you facing what what is are you afraid of what, what what are you worried about what are you anxious about might again be a health issue it might be a financial issue most of these issues are about the future right hey i can get through today okay but i don't know about next week next month he goes on, elaborates, but even after what all he did, you refuse to trust the Lord your God. There it is, that's short memory. Well, he did it before, he's did it lots of other times, but maybe he won't do it this time. That's kind of our thinking, isn't it? And then he goes on, uh, Lord your God, who goes before you, looking for the best place to camp, guiding you with a pillar of fire by night and a pillar of cloud by day. Did they need the scouts? I didn't need the scouts. <laughs> God had already been there. He knew it was there. We don't know what the future holds, do we? God's already been there. When the Lord, you, when the Lord heard your complaining, he became very angry. What was he angry about? Well, the complaining, the rebellion, the lack of faith. This is again kind of one of our acceptable sins, right? 
Uh, God doesn't like it. I, I think it's a sin. Uh, but we think it's okay. I have a right to complain. I have a right to my opinion. And God's saying, what more can I do? Got you out of slavery. I've you know, protected you for this year. I've got you to the, to, to the promised land. You're, it's right at the door. What more can I do? <clears throat> so, he, God, or Moses is speaking. He says, not one of you from this wicked generation, you might call it disobedient generation, will live to see the good land I swear to give your ancestors, except Caleb, son of whatever. Anyway, uh, <laughs> I didn't practice that one, but anyway, sometimes I do. Uh, he was one of the two scouts that gave a positive report, right? He said he, he will see this land because he has followed the Lord completely. He, he's obeyed. He, he listened. He will give it to him and his descendants, some of the very land he explored during his scouting mission. So, you know, all the scouts didn't see everything. He saw a certain part, and part of what he saw, he was going to get to live in. And the Lord was also angry, this is interesting, this verse, with me because of you. Now, if you read the account, God was angry with Moses for something else. Uh, and he told Moses he wasn't going to go, go into the promised land because of what he had done, not what they had done. But he was doing a complaining, a little bit of complaining himself. He said, he said to me, Moses, not even you will enter the promised land. Instead, your assistant, Joshua, will lead the people into the land. He was another one of the scouts. And he was the second scout that gave the positive report. The ten that did... Okay, the negative report didn't get to get to go in. 39 years later, the two that did, did get to go in. He said to Moses, encourage him, Joshua is your successor, and he will lead Israel as they take possession of it. So what was the big fear of the Israelites? It's gonna, we're going to see it in the next verse. They were afraid for their kids. We go in there, our kids are going to be slaughtered. And he says it in the next verse. He said, I will give you... Uh, the little ones, your innocent children, you were afraid that they would be captured, but they would be the ones who occupied it. So how ironic. What they feared or what they said they feared most didn't happen, did it? God took care of it. And the last verse we're going to read this morning is, as for you, turn around now, going back to the wilderness toward the Red Sea. You missed it. You were afraid. You missed it. So God is in control, but you have a role, you have a choice. So what is your role? What is it you need to do with your stress, your fear, your anxiety? Better question is, why aren't you doing it? Is fear stopping you? Back to what St. Augustine said, pray as though everything depends on God. Get on your knees, spend that time, but then get up. And work as though everything depended on you. So what does that look like? That's your homework for this week. I like to give homework. So one of it, we usually fall into one of two categories. So your role, if you're a worker who doesn't pray much, pray. And if I was to fit into one of these categories, that's me. I, I tend to get in there and get, get stuff done. And, you know, I have the faith to believe God's, you know, God's in control. He's got it. But I probably don't spend as much time as I should you know, just talking with him, make sure we're on the same page, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. It's good to plan, but you need to pray. You get it, need to have that dependence or that connectedness. So that's your role <clears throat> this week. Some of you fit this other category. You're a prayer, 
but you don't work much. Get to work. <laughs> Get to work. Our church can't exist without the work that you all put in. And we could do so much more if more of you would do something, if you would work. And I was talking to the older crowd in the first service. I know, you know, I, you know, I taught Sunday school for 50 years. Well, you're still breathing? You can still work with kids. Uh, be proactive. You know, uh, we get a ton of time in the year. We kind of re, uh, reorganize and recharge. Re, re, uh, and so we'll be seeking people for some roles. And, and you know, it, it, wouldn't it be wonderful if you just put your cards, everybody volunteer for all this stuff, and I just have to put you, in, put you in places. Didn't have to call anybody. Didn't have to talk to anybody. But what's on your list? What's at the end of your rope? And let me give you a suggestion. Five years from now, if you look back at your list now, what would you do differently? Five years from now, you go back and look at this stage of your life and what you worry, what was at the end of your rope, what would you wish you did differently? Now Joshua, I'm going to end with this verse. Joshua comes to personally to the Israelites in the, into the land. But before he goes in, what does God say to him? Here's what he says. Be strong and courageous, for you're the one that will lead these people to possess all the land. I swore to their ancestors I would give them. <laughs> he says it again. Be strong and very courageous. This is going to be tough. This is going to be hard. If you read the account, you know, there was all these battles and it was bloody and people died. But they eventually conquered the land. So your challenge may get bloody, hopefully not fatal. It may be hard. And we leave you with that thought, God is in control. Do you believe it? But you have a role. Figure out your role this week. Let's pray. Father God, thank you. Thank you so much for this, this, this story that... <laughs> that says so much about our human nature, hasn't changed much in thousands of years. And on the, uh, we look at these, these folks that, that squandered this great opportunity and missed the oppor- this opportunity to be in the promised land, this whole generation, because of fear and lack of trust and lack of believing God. So I don't know what we're, what we're struggling with this morning, God, uh, trusting you for. Some decision we have to make, start, Start something new. Stop something we're doing. Enter in a new relationship. End a relationship. Change our lifestyle. There might be God. God, give us the courage. Let us be not just courageous, very courageous to do what we know we should be doing. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.